Life Audio. Christian Parent Crazy World with Katherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. I am your host, Katherine Seegers, and in today's episode, we will tackle this vitally important question. What are the biggest cultural challenges that Gen Z is facing today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This generation is facing some very significant challenges from our culture, or as my guest likes to call them, waves. These cultural waves are crashing into Gen Z. What are they? We need to know what these obstacles are if we want to be prepared to face them, moms and dads. Today, my guest will help us do just that. That's the plan for this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World. So let's get started. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Mamas and Papas, in this episode, you will need to put on your thinking caps because we are going to deep dive into the topics of worldview and culture. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, maybe a notebook if you aren't driving or jogging. If you are driving or jogging, please don't take notes. Um, But you might want to be ready to rewind to make sure that all of this phenomenal information you're going to get today really sinks in. And we couldn't have a better person to be our guide on this deep dive into worldview and culture than our good friend, Dr. Jonathan Morrow. Yep, we held him over from the last interview because he was that good. To refresh your memory, Jonathan is Director of Student Engagement and Discipleship at Impact 360. He has a doctorate in worldview and culture from Talbot School of Theology, which will come 
come in very handy today. He understands what is happening in our culture like few people do. And he is going to help us understand these cultural challenges or waves today. So, Jonathan, we had you on in the last episode to help us millennial parents and Gen X parents and baby boomer grandparents bridge the gap to Gen Z. (laughs) That is quite a generation gap there. And now we're ready to tackle the primary opposition that these kids are facing in our culture when it comes to their faith. When we were at the preview day a few months ago, which was so awesome, I heartily encourage every parent to go to that with their kids. I think they would love it. It was the preview day at Impact 360. You gave a fascinating lecture about five cultural waves facing Gen Z, and I'd love to have you share those with us today. Welcome back. Well, it is so good to be back with you. That was such a fun conversation. It flew by the first time, so I'm ready to dive back in. Yeah, it did, didn't it? It certainly did. So uh, the five waves that these kids are facing in yes. our in our culture, what are they? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad you brought the time for us to talk about this because there's a lot of things happening culturally underneath the surface that aren't immediately obvious, but once you see them, you won't be able to unsee them. And you're like, okay, if we want to disciple this next generation in a post-Christian culture, we have to pay attention to these themes, right? I love this quote by Francis Schaeffer. He says, look, the Christian must resist the spirit of the world in the form it takes in his own generation. Mm. And so we've got to pay attention to that, right? So if we're going to, we have to talk as much or more about those things that our culture is talking a lot about, because if there's only one side of a narrative, then our, our kids are not going to get the equipping and the understanding that they need. And so the first thing that I would share is that culture is just what people come to see as normal without having to think about it. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Good things can be seen as normal and bad things can be seen as normal. The problem is it just seems normal. And unless you reflect or you're invited to reflect or there's an interruption, you're not going to interact with you. You won't see things differently. Right. And so that's why it's so important for Christians to love God with their minds and to reflect on and to think and to pause and to stop because these challenges are always going on underneath the surface. So it's kind of like rapids in a, Mm -hmm. if you've ever been whitewater rafting, (laughs) I have. it's what's going on on the bottom of the surface that shapes what's going on on the top Mm -hmm. and the visible parts. And it's the same, same with the next generation. So in light of that, what I want to do is share the concept of, of these different waves, but the environment in which Gen Z is growing up in is one of digital saturation. Mm-hmm. Because the first thing we have to recognize is, is they're, they're distracted and so are we, but they're very distracted and they're very saturated. Meaning if you ever take a sponge and you fill it up with liquid, mm-hmm. even if you have the best stuff in the world to pour in the stuff, it's a full sponge. Guess what? It's not going to be absorbed. Mm-hmm. And so in many ways, our kids and our young people are just distracted. They can't stay with ideas very long. They're not very reflective, not because they can't be, not because they're not smart, not because they're not motivated. In many ways, they become bewitched by their phones, their devices. They just, anytime boredom occurs, we all do it, right? You raise your device unless you've trained yourself to stop doing it so often. And so the environment in which we live for the next generation is one of digital saturation. Now, there's two application points to that. Because if that is the case, then what we need to be doing in our youth groups, in our schools, in our churches, in our homes 
is being countercultural, not for weird legalistic Christian subculture reasons, yeah. mm-hmm. but be different. Like if Christianity never calls us to look different than the culture in which we're in, then we might want to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're missing something. Yeah. And so if if our culture is going seven, eight, nine, ten hours a day on screens, mm-hmm. and we know that's not good, then maybe we need to do something different. And so, and parents need to lead lead the way in that. We could talk about maybe what we do about it and those kind of things, but we don't want to live in an environment. This is the one thing I'll share about this, and I'll let you let me know if you want to come back to it. What we can't do is create this us versus them issue with our kids where it's like, you need to control your technology. Right. But I can do whatever I want. And when you get old, guess what? You can do whatever you want to. Mm-hmm. Because that's not, if that if that's the lesson that they get, that's not setting them up to flourish, right? Right. What they need to see is mom and dad going, I have boundaries. I have transparency because that's good and wise. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I want to glorify God in this. And I'm going to try to help us do that as a family and try to help invite you into that. But it's not something that you get to do and be disciplined. And I get to be, you know, you know, it's like 12 boxes of donuts. I get to eat all the donuts that I want to, but you can't have any. Right, right. That's not going to be helpful. And it's, and it's not going to last. So that's the reality though. So the first thing we have to do is we got to put down our phones. So for example, at Impact 360, we're very intentional about this. In our gap year, for example, we don't have any tech in our classrooms to take notes very intentionally. Now we, they use computers to take, write papers and do different stuff later on, but it's really hard to focus on an idea for very long if you're always distracted by a screen. Mm -hmm. And so, and I've taught in environments with screens and without them in terms of people having devices and it's a massive difference. So that's, that's the first one. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes that's hard for us as parents in this generation because we're not as attracted to it because we I'm not I'm like I have to force myself to go on Instagram which I'm supposed to do because they tell me that's where all my audience is (laughs) so like (laughs) you know and then go spend time on Facebook I'm like I don't get I'm it's like a chore to me whereas it's such a lure you know and so that's a little bit harder for me to understand I mean I guess we all have our technological uh you know those vices that we kind of do get tripped up with, but, you know, sometimes it's not the same thing that our kids mm-hmm. get tripped up with. So, you know, it, it may be easier for us, but you're saying that we need, you know, definitely lead the way and set appropriate boundaries for our kids, not just, Hey, put the phone away while we're at dinner, but put the phone away sometimes, you know, and mm-hmm. not always be on that screen all the time. So in, in terms of the waves, this is one of the cultural waves that, that we need to be this, this digital screen time that mm-hmm. is constantly, constantly bombarding yep. our kids for sure. And that's one thing it's, it's hard. The more kids you have monitoring that and being on top of that, it gets, Oh, it's hard. It is. It, it feels like it's exhausting. <laughs> and, you know, well, I was talking to my husband about it the other night. I'm like, uh, we really aren't, you know, we had these certain boundaries and then of course the boundaries fell, you know, and then like, we're, we're not really checking it. And, you know, it's like at the end of the day, spending time checking into that, it's, it's, it's hard, but we need to make that a priority because this is one of the primary ways I think that the enemy is, is influencing the next generation. Cause it's, they're in their rooms. They're it's yep. with them in the bathroom. It's with them when they go to school, it's with them all the time. And they're on yep. TikTok, they're on Instagram. And that is such a lure, uh, yeah. for this next generation. That, that, that is a big one. So, uh, we all, yep. you know, I'm certainly convicted about that of ways that I need to do that. And, you know, 
I've been watching interviews recently, you know, kids that have just gotten lured into, you know, transitioning and things like that. Mm-hmm. Particularly, that's what's happening with the younger yes. girls, this generation. If they're, if that's who they're listening to all the time, mm-hmm. that's going to become the influence that they yield to, that they, they, you know, when the hormones are going crazy. So that uh, I, understanding what's going on there and what they're, you know, putting proper safe boundaries around there and exemplifying that in our own lives is critically important. That's awesome. Great. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Yes. And so this the second cultural wave, and before I get there too, just because this will connect back to our previous conversation in a post-Christian culture and around worldview, a lot of times what it is is death by a thousand cuts or death by a thousand nudges when it comes to the worldview shifts that happen. It's not as though there was one big paradigm shifting thing for a student when they're like, you know what, I just don't believe that anymore, or I don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. It's usually just a thousand little nudges over time by friend groups, belonging, and, and that's the power of screens and media because, you know, as, as my friend David Kinnaman likes to say, screens disciple. And mm. so that's just the reality. And they're on it far more than they're in any other relationship one-on-one. So mm. we just have to be mindful of that. That's going to be a constant thing, but it is worth the fight. And if you've not had any boundaries whatsoever up until this point, mm-hmm. Guilt-free zone, but just say, "Hey, that was on me." Yeah. But for my own good and our own good and your own good, we're going to introduce some mm-hmm. and just own it and move forward. Don't don't feel like you can't ever course correct. I just I, I, that's we're not going to do it perfectly. Don't don't have that standard, but we we've got to fight for the hearts and souls of our our kids. And technology is a big piece of that. So. And let me just state the obvious. Well, I, I don't want to say it's obvious because maybe it's not to everybody. Obviously, you need to have the proper safeguards within their social with within their devices, you know, that they're not able, you know, to access certain things there. But, you know, it's so easy for that to slip through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kids had to go. And back in my day, if you wanted to see a, pic, or a picture 
that was a dirty picture, you had to go meet somebody single, you know, somebody's old uncle and go to the stash under their bed or something. You know, that's what the guys did or whatever. That's it's just right there all the time. Mm -hmm. And so obviously those safety guards need to be there. But in terms of constantly having access to that digital media all the time, we need to encourage them to be in books, to be in nature, to be, you know, engaged with the physical world around them instead of these screens all the time. And we need to, like you said, we need to lead the example with that. Absolutely. And so, and that'll be a good, that's a good aspect of our discipleship. Another cultural wave that's happening underneath the surface, and I'll define these as I go, because again, they may not be immediately obvious, but it's the first one is really the big one in this environment of digital saturation is scientism, scientism. Right. And this really comes to what counts as knowledge. Scientism is simply the belief that only the hard sciences give us knowledge about reality, mm-hmm. or at least the best access to reality. So here's the obvious issue, and we could spend a whole podcast on this one alone, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to give a high-level summary here. The Bible speaks to a lot of historical, moral, and spiritual topics. So if science is the only way you know something, guess what you can't have knowledge of? Morality, spirituality, and history. Mm -hmm. So that automatically removes the authority from knowledge that comes with scripture or understanding the Christian faith because Christianity is a knowledge tradition. Now, what's fascinating, and we'll come back to this in a further cultural wave, is science is king in our culture until it's not. And it's conveniently set aside, especially when you get to some of the transactivism that we're seeing today and a lot of those kind of conversations where science and biology doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. for a minute. We just kind of suspend that until uh, we come back to other conversations. But if there is no knowledge, then you have no confidence to act in the world. And so if our, if our kids don't think and know that Christianity is true, not just believe it, because just because you believe something doesn't make it true. Mm-hmm. The Bible talks about 2,000 times about knowledge or knowing words show up in the Bible, about 400 to 500 faith and belief words. Now, faith is really important, right? Without faith, it's impossible to, uh, to please God, Hebrews eleven six. But faith is active trust in what you have good reason to believe is true. And knowledge is wrapped up in that. So if from the beginning, in a culture of distraction, you then have knowledge taken away from Christianity, then you have our kids going, well, that's just somebody else's opinion then. Mm-hmm. And so and so you see how that first thing operates and, it, and they never experience it in the form of an argument usually. I mean, they're not, I mean, somebody say, hey, by the way, do you, are you, do you think scientism is true? That's usually not the way that comes to them. Right. They just get science is presented as people who know stuff Mm -hmm. and anything with morality, spirituality, and history. Well, that's just stuff we believe and you can be wrong about that. We can disagree. So that, that removes confidence from the Christian worldview. So that's, that's the, the next big wave to talk about. Yeah. You know, this is one of those waves that I've I've wanted to do a whole podcast on this one. You know, I was, I was actually looking up some, I have a really good book on C.S. Lewis and scientism and uh, the magician's twin. I don't know if you read that. I, I pulled this quote from it last night. It was during the 1940s and 50s, Lewis became more vocal about the looming dangers of what he called scientocracy, the efforts to hand over the reins of culture and political power to an elite group of experts claiming 
to speak in the name of science. Lewis regarded this proposal as fundamentally subversive of a free society, and he worried about the creation of a new oligarchy that would, quote, increasingly rely on the advice of scientists till in the end, the politicians proper became merely the scientists puppets, end quote. Mm. And that's what we're seeing, I think, you know, in the era of COVID. And, and definitely that's something that I've been so passionate about is the manipulation of science. It, it's not agenda free. It's not like these yeah. facts that come from these studies are are just cold facts staring at us that they they can be um have agenda and money behind them one of the studies I, I one of the articles i read a while back that just had such a huge impact on me it was by martin cochran it was in memoria press it was called the study has found a fallacy and he was talking about in there among other things about how particularly in the field of education that there was a meta-analysis done in 2014 that of the 164,589 studies that they uh, published in three education journals, that only 221 of them were replications. And replication, being able to replicate a study is the gold standard of science, right? If you can't replicate a study, then then you really haven't produced anything valuable. And that is 0.13% of all of those studies in the field of education were replicated. So we're, we're getting this truth saying, well, this study found such and such. Well, we need as parents and to teach our children to be questioning that. Okay, what what was the methodology of that study? Was it replicated? So, so when we're getting into this, I, I'm kind of taking this uh, a different tangent than what you were talking about, because what the real problem is that we're thinking that only science can give us truth. But even there, science isn't giving us truth. It's giving us this facade of truth, right? It's not giving us any action. It, it can it, it can be easily manipulated to produce a result that somebody is wanting it to produce. So it may not be any truth at all, right? We yeah, have so yeah. many problems there. Yeah, there's lots of things. See, science doesn't say anything scientists do. Right. And every scientist has a worldview. Yes. And there's certain, you cannot do science apart from philosophical assumptions. It's not possible. Right. Um, because all the data will be interpreted by a set of facts, assumptions, and models. What you bake in is what you. So again, those are related. That doesn't mean it, it, it validates it, but it, right. You need people need to recognize there's no there's no value free science in that regard. Where it's like no, there's always a worldview. So let's understand that. So what's the data say, and what is the worldview? Many times, what happens in public communication, social media, news networks, whatever, is the worldview coming through, mm-hmm. not what the data is, and not the empirical, just the pure empirical studies or the replication or any of those kind of things. And so, again, but people attach authority to science, but it ends up what happens is, well, what we mean by science is secularism applied in this particular way. Right. And I could do, like I said, we could do a whole episode on this. Where did, I'm just curious, I I have to go here. So did that really happen right, pretty much coming out of the enlightenment? When did we stop believing there was such a thing as moral truth or spiritual truth, that there couldn't be something concrete, universal that is morally true or spiritually true or religiously true? Yeah. So it's been been happening over the last 300 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I talk a little bit about this in my book, Think Christianly. There's a there's a kind of a little kind of track, some of these ideas. But here's in essence what you had. Modern philosophy, uh, David Hume, yep. um, Rene Descartes basically undermined the rationality of God. 
Mm-hmm. So if there's no good evidence for God and then Darwin comes along and you no mm-hmm. longer need design. And then all the while during that time, you've got the Christian pietist movement, mm-hmm. which was a good thing in many ways, but it was a very private internal movement. So it moved everything spiritual inside while every public conversation about truth that was happening outside. So basically Christianity retreated to what's going on within me. Mm. And then public, st- we ceded control of a lot of the ideas or the interaction with a lot of those ideas um, over the last couple hundred years. And then you started seeing the dominoes fall. Eventually Princeton fell in 1925. They rejected um, inerrancy. They rejected some of their supernatural moorings of, of kind of why the school began. So you see those dominoes falling, but most in the 1800s you used to have every college would have moral philosophy as a part of its coursework where they would teach people what is virtue and how do you practice that? And then the modern world in post kind of 1920s, 1950s, Postmodernism comes to the fore, and then you end up getting basically extracurricular activities replacing moral and ethical formation. So there was a great switch that occurred, but basically knowledge no longer, you can't know these things because they're not the realm of philosophy or science. And if they're not those things, then what are they? Now, I don't think that's true. And there's really good arguments to argue against that. But just historically, that's part of what happened in that story. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just... I could just camp out here forever. One thing I've talked about in the show before, which is the irony of it all, is that the inception of formalized science, though, came in a Christian worldview. It came in, you know, in Christian Europe with certain expectations about what we would find in reality, because um, if there is a moral law and a moral lawgiver, then perhaps there are physical laws. Right. So so it's such an irony that here we end up with science ultimately rejecting the God or the worldview that that birthed it. Right. <laughs> yeah. In many ways you, you wouldn't get in, and, and we historically, we know this, you don't get the scientific method. Yeah. We didn't get that in any other civilization, in any other culture, any other worldview, mm-hmm. because we expected a rational mind. Right. And therefore order in the universe that could be discovered. Yep. And if you don't start there, you're just not, you're going to get technology, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get scientific methodology. And so those things are going to come apart. Um, and so that's what Christianity gave us those things. And it's good to remind people that. Yes. I always want to remind people of that because I'm like, don't bite the hand that fed you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're borrowing from our worldview to do to do science, which. Oh, that's one of my big ones. Yes. Yes. That's that's a different worldview. And, and so often today we they try to borrow the values of our worldview by rejecting the foundational principles of our worldview. We got to keep moving. <laughs> I love that wave. And your explanation of it is so phenomenal. So uh, keep what's the next way we need to be concerned about? Yeah. So in think of these, these are going to build on each other. So okay. watch these add up. So if, if there is no knowledge outside the harsh sciences, the second big cultural wave is relativism. Mm-hmm. So relativism is really that idea of true for you, but not for me. Mm-hmm. You do you follow your heart, Disney princess movie, kind of all that embodied into one. And so notice the progression. If there is no knowledge and then there is no truth, that flows from that because truth flows from that. So then what we have is people going, you do you, you have your own preferences, you have your own community. I have my own. And there is no capital T truth Mm -hmm. about this. And what happens then is objective truth disappears. Meaning an objective truth simply means uh, regardless of what you believe or think or say, it's still true. Mm -hmm. That's something objectively true. Either God exists or he doesn't, but not both. Mm -hmm. 
meaning God doesn't magically exist for the Christian and magically not exist for the atheist. Mm-hmm. So that's what it means to be objective, meaning um, either it is it is right to be generous or it's vile to be generous, but not both or, you know, or murder, murdering innocent people for fun. That's either morally good or morally not. So, so that's what objects. So if that category goes away, so if knowledge goes away, then truth comes apart. All right. And, and really this leads into this third way, which I'm going to bring these two together because tribalism and then all you have left is power. Mm-hmm. If you have no knowledge and you have no truth, people are no longer going to try to persuade they're going to build alliances and they're going to build alliances for an us versus them. So for the best way to illustrate this probably for audience is if you've ever wondered, well, where the LGBTQ acronym came from, it's this mindset because the L and the T are fundamentally at odds. Yep. Meaning a lesbian thinks that biological reality exists and that's why they're attracted to other females. A trans person says biological reality is not a thing, but they're aligned from a power standpoint against a system for now. Okay. While they're aligning. And so therefore you have a tribalism. You have a tribe It's us versus them. Mm -hmm. We're no longer trying to persuade you. It's a bad idea or a good idea. It's, are you with us or against us? If you're against us get out of the way, or we're going to cancel you, or we're going to use our influence to silence you or move you or whatever it is, but we're not going to argue about it. We're just going to get you out of the way Mm -hmm. because all you have left is power. That's what that's what Nietzsche predicted would happen in this postmodern space that we're in because he was like, well, if you lose knowledge, all you're left with is power and alliances mm-hmm. and oppressors and oppressed and you're with me and I'm with them. And the unfortunate thing is we also see this happening within some Christian circles too, mm. where it's this us versus them mindset, which we just need to avoid that. That's not the way of the New Testament. That's not the way of the gospel. We've got mm-hmm. to find ways to not do that within the church while everything else around us is in our culture. Cause then we suck. Then we, then we, Oh, here's our us and here's the them. And we're just attacking the them, whatever the them is. And that's just not going to be good. And so, so that's what we're experiencing and seeing full on in tribalism on social media. For example, um, in that acronym, the T is the King right now. The T is the most influential letter in that acronym. Right. But that, and it's fundamentally at odds with the other ones. Mm-hmm. So eventually those, those letters are going to fight for supremacy. Right. And you see that happening in real time with, with someone like JK Rowling, Harry Potter. Yes. She's like, she, she is pro gay rights, but not, yeah, but she is not pro trans ideology. Exactly. So again, you can just kind of watch this happening. Yeah. They've tried to pummel her, tried to cancel. Yep. And, and, to her credit, yeah. she's like, no, I won't. And and that's a free speech principle, which in principle is a good thing for everyone. Well, you have to be, uh, you, you know, like they said with Joe Rogan, he was too big to fail. He he got pumped. He got beat up a bit, you know, when he stood mm-hmm. up for things that were against the 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 general consensus. This this, uh, you know, I hadn't seen because obviously, you know, it's very clear that transsexualism and and homosexuality, you know, lesbianism, those are feminism. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. they're very much at odds with one another, and yet they are aligned because of a greater ideology, I guess, that they adhere to. But that does unravel at some point because they're going to start eating their own. They're going to start fighting backwards and, you know, back and forth, which one will take supremacy because you, you, that's why we have women, you know, 
in men's sports right now because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and these women who've worked their entire lives for scholarships are missing out on their scholarships. They're missing out on places in the podium. They're missing out on Olympic teams. They're missing out because you're right. The T is the top dog and the LGBTQ plus uh, acronym there. And that's fascinating. I hadn't, I, I'm so glad you tied that together for, for me and our listeners, because that's a really great way to look at it. The one thing that I love about, you know, Christian faith is that every, since the inception of human race, we've all had this inherent human tendency to be us versus them, to, to protect our own. And this Christian faith tells us to do the exact opposite that Jesus didn't die for just his own, own. He died for everyone. He died for the very people that were putting them on cross. So we have a very, very countercultural message with mm-hmm. our faith that is so needed and necessary because we are going to yeah. keep get, these factions and these divides are going to keep getting bigger and bigger and the hatred is going to continue growing. So uh, let's keep going here. You, you're on a roll. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll dive into the next one. Just one quick thing. Like you were saying of, of all people, Christians have the resources to dignify everybody we interact with because we believe that everyone's made in God's image. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the atheist being critical of me or not, I'm called to and commanded to treat that person with dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. It is never okay to make fun of somebody else's worldview or religion, or it's like belittle. Why? Why would we do that? That's, that's not our, our. We're ambassadors, right? We're ambassadors of the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we can't do that us versus them. One quick note, and, and I'll refer uh, listeners to something else on the tribalism. Also, is this is also where a lot of the issues around kind of the modern issues around secular social justice occur in this tribalism mm-hmm. space as well. It all gets lumped in, and so that's where. I think that's an opportunity for us to make sure that Christians are not falling in line with kind of a secular approach to those things. And, and that's, that's just key to make sure we're not just getting carved up and carved up in that same category where ethnicity and racism and all those things, like all of that, like partiality is a sin in scripture, right? So we should never treat people differently because of any host of things about them. Right. So all that to say, that's a bigger conversation, but that's in that tribalism bucket as well. So this generation, to just real quick summarize, they're, they're saturated digitally, means they're, they're distracted. They're raised in a culture where knowledge is not possible outside the hard sciences. Therefore, there's no truth. So scientism goes to relativism. And then relativism leads to tribalism, because if there is no truth, all you have left is power. And that's where you see the the next cultural wave come in, which is really the sexual revolution 2.0, mm-hmm. kind of this whole kind of way of being where you're the most important quality about you as an individual is your sexuality, or at least your psychological understanding of your sexuality, right. not biology, but psychology. Mm-hmm. And so this generation is being raised as if it's normal to think that all of those categories and binaries and things like that aren't good. But here's the thing that we have to help them understand. Marriage between a a male and a female, husband and wife for a lifetime is a good idea because it's God's idea. Mm -hmm. Gender is a good idea because it's God's idea, male and female, right? Sex, biological sex and gender don't come apart in that way. Now, we do need to be careful sometimes. And this is where I think this one is an opportunity for us, especially to talk generationally. We do need to be careful about sometimes the stereotypes we use Mm. for talking about gender in our Mm -hmm. culture in America. Like, well, really masculine people climb mountains. They don't do plays Mm -hmm. or they don't computer code. Right. Right. No. And so what in many ways what's happened is, is I think unintentionally there's been a lot of 
space created for this ideology to come in and go, well, if you're not like everybody else and don't like all the same kinds of things that everybody else likes, you must be gay or you must Mm -hmm. be trans or you must be this identity Mm -hmm. marker rather than, no, there's a lot of ways to express masculinity and there's a lot of ways to express femininity and they're both good. Mm -hmm. Um, The biological category precedes the expression of it. And that's where that nature comes in. But we also got to be careful that we don't overdo those stereotypes, which then back people into a corner of going, well, Uh I guess I'm just different. And then they feel left out. And guess what? Somebody is there whispering, you can belong Uh here. And that feels really good. Right. Right. So then they, they, that's a lot of the social contagion piece. It's my, they're the people who care for me and accept me. Maybe I didn't agree with them from the beginning, but they're my Christian friends, quote unquote, don't. They make fun of me. Yeah. Whereas these people accept me. <sighs> and then that whole thing just breaks my heart, right? Because it just right. so there's all that going on around what is normal and what is seen as normal for this generation that we just have to be mindful of in terms of how they're viewing sexual categories and gender categories and, and things like that. Well, that it and you bring up a such a vital point that the church really, you know, often has not done a good job. And they have reinforced well, this is what a woman has to be, and this is what a man has to be, and these are the roles that they have to fill, and it doesn't always look that way. And, you know, that was one of the things that I I, I didn't want to be mom for a long time because I felt this constant pressure and pushing towards that, and and I'm so glad that I, I didn't listen to that that voice in my 20s, and I, I kind of woke up in my 30s and thought I might regret it, and so it, it's completely altered the trajectory of my life, but that those kind of gender roles. And I think this is a whole other conversation within Christianity that I don't think is serving us well. We need to really get this right in the church that, and help kids who are struggling here because they're getting on TikTok, they're getting on Instagram. And I just listened to an hour long podcast with Chloe Cole. I don't know if you know who she is. She is suing her doctors because she transitioned because of all of the influences she had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now she's like in her twenties and (laughs) she can't go back. Well, I mean, she can't get her breasts back. They're gone. And, and you look at this and it's so, it's so tragic. And we need to be having a compassionate conversations that are affirming, but not affirming something that biology that is against a person's biology. Mm-hmm. We can't be affirming some sort of reality that is anti-biological that, and that's not even going biblical. We don't even have to go there. Just biology. Every cell mm-hmm. of our bodies is stamped with XX or XY. So we can't deny that reality without very, very harsh consequences. So let's keep going here. I think, we, do we have one more? Yeah, one more. The last, okay. the last cultural wave. Uh-huh. So just, just by way of quick review, digital saturation. We're in the context of scientism where knowledge doesn't exist. Then you have relativism, which is true for you, but not for me. And then you've got tribalism, which is you just have power and alliances left. And then you've got the sexual revolution 2.0, where I need to find my fullest expression to be happy. And you need, and, and for me to be validated by everyone else around me, that's the only way that that can be happy. That's what's being normalized. And then the last cultural wave is progressive Christianity. And the reason why I put this here is if you took a version, and I'm using air quotes for those who are not watching this, of Christianity that assumes scientism, is digitally distracted, assumes relativism, assumes tribalism, is affirming of the sexual revolution 2.0, 
and calling it Christian, that is progressive Christianity. Mm -hmm. But the difference is, if you take the core of it, because look, a long time ago, atheism and naturalism, while it had some popularity, it wasn't, it's not this dynamic movement. Mm -hmm. Why? Because there's nothing that animates it at its core. Right. If you take a circle at its core, okay, God doesn't exist and there's no meaning. Woohoo! You know, <laughs> there's not much you can do with that. It's not a very attractive philosophy. No, it's not going to motivate or animate right. people. However, if you take progressive Christianity, where the core of Christianity used to be historic Christianity, where Jesus is the only way, the gospel is good news, all that, and you remove that core and you put secular social justice in the core, mm -hmm. that becomes the animating of the movement for progressive Christianity. No longer the gospel. Mm -hmm. It becomes secular social justice, um, LGBTQ affirming. Science, you know, is the only way we know stuff. Morality, like all these, Jesus mm -hmm. is not the only way. All those things come together in a version of progressive Christianity. And so students are seeing Christian influencers and quote unquote people coming on talking about, well, you know, the Bible got it wrong here. Or, mm. you know, this was not, this was before they knew any better. That's where gender and sexuality, God would totally be in favor of these new things, same-sex marriage. Of course, he would affirm these things. And of course, and then all of those secular priorities become the animating gospel, if you will, of progressive mm -hmm. Christianity. Mm -hmm. So that scratches the itch of an activist generation, which Gen Z is, they want to do something mm -hmm. and it gives them something very clear to do. Mm. And that's why it's so deceptive. And it also doesn't call them a sinner in the process. <laughs> and none of us yeah. at the end of the day, because it's very popular to talk about sin as brokenness and it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sin breaks things, but sin is rebellion mm. against God. Yes. And that's not popular nope. and it doesn't. And I don't like, I, there's rebellion in my heart that's got to be dealt with. Right. I'm guessing in your heart and everybody else we've ever met, right? <laughs> there is. There, repentance has to happen. There's growth. There's alignment with God's word. There's, like, you know what? God knows best. I'm going to submit my ways to God's ways. So that's why that cultural wave is there because they're finding versions of Christianity that don't align with historic Christianity that really just look like the broader culture but they still get to keep some of those communities that they're a part of. So you get a sociological mm -hmm. factor at play, belonging, motivation, activism, but no gospel, no God, no Jesus, no scripture. So that's what's going on with that last cultural wave. Ah, oh, that is so good. Okay. Do you have a flow chart for this? Cause I, I yeah. want to create one for you. Do you really have one? <laughs> I, I have a slide. Do you, I love okay. this flow chart. Yeah. I love the way all of these connect and build on one another. And I love what you just said about, yeah, it's so popular to talk about sin as brokenness. And a lot of churches do that. It's because it, it does break us, but at its core, what we do need to recognize is that sin is rebellion. It's saying that I am my own God, that I want to have my own law and my own way. And I want to call the shots. And that is ultimately what sin is. It will break us. And but becoming right with God requires that we come to the end of ourselves and say, you are God. I am not. I have walked in opposition to you. And that has broken me. And thank God that you bring beauty from ashes, gladness from mourning, praise from despair, and that you will rebuild these ancient ruins, which what we're talking about here, you know, from Isaiah 61 and the ancient ruins of our culture right now. That they're all around us, but God has a plan to restore that. And that is amazing. 
I cannot thank you enough for the generosity of your time today. Can you tell our listeners again where they can find out more about your work at Impact 360 and your personal writing and ministry? Absolutely. And again, what we're trying to do about these trends is train and disciple students here at Impact 360. And with all of our experiences, programs, resources, you can find out more about that at impact360.org, impact360.org. My website is jonathanmorrow.org, where you can find my books and courses and podcasts, different resources, articles, things like that. So jonathanmorrow.org as well. Awesome. Parents, go and check out Impact 360 for yourself and for your kids. You're going to be blown away. I was. And visit Jonathan's website. Get a copy of his book. I can't wait to get this book. Questioning the Bible, 11 Major Challenges to the Bible's Authority. I would love to have you back on to talk about that. For sure. Or to dig into any of this again. This has been awesome. You know, that's right up our alley here at CPCW. Moms and dads, we need to be aware of the cultural opposition coming against our kids. We need to have ongoing conversations with them. We need to guide them through the waves of this digital onslaught that they have, scientism, relativism, tribalism, the new sexual revolution, and ultimately progressive Christianity. That is another gospel. We need to be the voice of truth, pointing them to God and to scripture as their foundation for life. We need to be the anchor in the midst of these waves. And you can be moms and dads. That is who God created you to be. Just remember, no one has a greater impact in the lives of your children than you do here on earth. The truth that you plant in their hearts and minds will produce fruit. It will bring freedom. So keep planning, mamas and papas. Keep planning, nanas and papas as well. I know you listen too. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about how we can help Gen Z learn the discipline of prayer. We really need some prayer with the generation gap we're dealing with and all of these cultural waves that Gen Z is facing. Prayer is one of the most important things we do as Christians, but how do you teach your kids to pray? (laughs) There's so many distractions and we're busy parents. My special guest for the next episode is Erica Renault, author of a brand new book called Pray With Me, which is all about helping your children engage in authentic and powerful prayer. It's going to be so good. You don't want to miss it. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and following me on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, and maybe you could say that Christian Parent Crazy World is the best podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. uh, Just a thought. Uh, And be sure to check out my website, which is katherineseegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you 
your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.